Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel Marcy, and today I have the very good honor of actually bringing someone onto the show that you guys probably have not heard of. Um, and specifically, I it's an honor for me to have this person on the show because we actually met at, at a mastermind that we're both in, and we just connected. Like a house on fire just got on, and since then we've just really had each other's backs. It's one of those few things when you get a business partnership that you're not in the same industry, but you can help each other along the way. Um, and this person, I met him, I met his mother-in-law, which they have a business together that is absolutely brilliant. We're going to be discussing because it's a very interesting business, uh, uh, business model in its own right. But most importantly, he's one of the most hardest working and caring people I've actually met when it comes down to, uh, to this specific business, which is of course, real estate and agencies and all the other fun stuff that go into, um, property. And I would not, I would not have invited him on otherwise. I've been on his show and now I wanted him on my show because I know he's going to bring the heat like crazy. Without further ado, my very good friend, Phil Jones. Phil, welcome to the show. What an intro. Thank you. Uh, absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you, Adil. Oh man, of course. Um, but yeah, dude, it's so good to actually have you on the show and actually be able to speak to you live with everyone else. Because like, whenever we sit down, we just get into like these huge, long-ass conversations. I remember when we were at EE and I was like freaking out because it was just around the same time that the server hack happened. <laughs> um, and I remember just sitting down with you and your mom, your mother-in-law, uh, you and Sam. We sat down for, I think it was about 20 or 30 minutes and I just died like, yeah, this is how I would run your promotions and stuff like that. And then you were giving me ideas of how I'd run my own stuff. And it was like really cool to way of bringing mm. this together. But my first question more than anything else is what got you into property? Like, cause you have the skill set to go into nearly any business, but why property in particular? Yeah. Well, good question. So I, I kind of fell into property. Um, so it all happened around Christmas 2016 when uh, I worked for an energy company nothing clever whatsoever um sse oh wow i remember those days yes yeah, so I, I, I worked with npow for a little while back when i was uh, younger <laughs> sam sometimes calls me a meter maid just to wind me up Aww. um and i got this job at 18 years old and it was about twenty thousand pound a year which for around here is a pretty decent wage for an 18 year old I, you know yeah. i've got friends who are accountants i was on more than them so I kind of thought like i'd made it Mm-hmm. And three or four years down the line, as everyone slowly passed me, I was stuck. I'd, by this t- time, I had a little boy. Um, I had rent to pay. I desperately wanted out, but I had nowhere to go. You know, I, I had no one. I, 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 I had no idea what skills I had. Um, so. Sam and I were searching, my mother-in-law, Sam Ashdown, um, were searching for somewhere for me to go, something for me to do. We went into Facebook marketing, et cetera. And at this point, she'd been uh, an estate agency coach for two or three years. No, sorry, for 10 years. And for some reason, we didn't discuss the idea of opening an agency for a good couple of months. And uh, I remember one evening we were sat down and we said, why don't we just open an estate agency and she said no they work way too hard I said it's fine I, I can do it and at this point it did not genuinely didn't cross my mind that I would have to leave my job which sounds crazy now right and um, a couple of weeks later uh, she came to visit my little boy and she said when are you gonna hand your notice in I genuinely thought she was joking um, 
said, I'm not, not going to have a notice until we earn some money. And she, she said, this is you know, a full-time job, you've got to leave. So on April's Fool's Day, 2017, mm-hmm. appropriately, um, we opened Ashdown Jones State Agents in the Lake District and uh, we had literally no skills. I had no property background, no marketing background, and I just learned everything I possibly could. Read every book that I ever came across. Um, wrote thousands of letters to try and attract people, um, and and just learn that way. So I, it didn't. I didn't choose property, and it probably helped me in that that I didn't come as a traditional estate agent that no one particularly likes. I came as just someone that genuinely wanted to help from a from a more of a marketing background, not background, but more of a marketing angle. Um, those were the books I was reading. I wasn't bothered in the day-to-day of an agency particularly. That makes sense. So That does make sense, yeah. Yeah, so it was an interesting way we came in, um, and that has stood us in, in great stead. So, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that when um, the first time we put a home live and someone rung up to book a viewing, I had no idea what I was doing. When someone put an offer in, I had no idea what I was doing. And we were open and honest with our clients of that, but um, three years on, we're now the number one selling agent in the in the lakes. Yep. So and you guys, you guys have like a, you guys have a very interesting business model to how you actually help other estate agents get up and running because you guys do that very quickly. Um, just to give you guys an idea, the way that like, is it okay if I share with them exactly what oh. you guys do? Yeah. 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 So, so the thing that I find so fascinating is that you guys find one person for every territory across the UK and essentially help them become the person in that one territory. So they have zero competition in their area, which again gives you about what, 178 different locations throughout the UK. There's about 200. Yeah. Yeah. About about 200, give or take. But like yeah, yeah. That, that's 200 people. And of course the good news is, um, I don't know if you guys have a continuity on the back end of it, but like once they've basically gone up and ready, I think there is like either a percentage-based continuity or something else, kind of like a franchisee model, but I'm not entirely sure because we haven't discussed it. But that is such an impactful way of getting businesses up and running because they can see what you've done and actually replicate it themselves. What we, we, have, um, we have the branding for, we have, we've made everything for, um, it's called Unique and Exclusive. We haven't launched it yet and we're still years off, but it, it's exactly that. It's a licensed brand that, um, in fact, I probably shouldn't have even told you that. <laughs> it's a licensed brand that we will, we will be launching around the country um, in a similar fashion. So it'll be basically Ashdown Jones, but we didn't want our name going on, on someone else's door. So it'll be exactly the same, and, and we'll, we'll sell them the skills and, and give them uh, everything that we did. So that's something definitely in the pipeline. Yeah, it's something down the line. It's something you guys could be doing. Now, I've just yeah. only realized because we're a couple of minutes in, I actually haven't done the sponsor call today. So this episode, again, is sponsored by you guys, which is fire-wave.co.uk. That's uh, dash, so F-I-R-E-wave, W-A-V-E.co.uk. We're also sponsored by Story Selling Blueprint. For my editors, that is S-T-O-R-Y-S-E-L-L-I-N-G blueprint.com. Because we were having like really, really hard times. I had to keep going back and changing the actual thing. Which <laughs> but that being said, um, that's quite interesting. And thank you for sharing that. Again, I could bleat that out and edit it ever so slightly, um, which is a thing. Give me one second. I'm just going to pause this interview for just a second. Sorry about that slight break, guys. Uh, best friend calling and had to just tell them I was on the show. And of course, I don't like having that on. Uh, anyway, 
back to what I was going to be saying, which I cannot remember right now. So I'm going to quickly ramble down a different pathway. And that is essentially just asking you specifically because one of the things that you guys do that is so powerful and I love the most, someone that you know lives and breathes direct response and just loves copy in its own right, is you guys have a very unique letter that you guys send out to get your first deals, like known as the showcase letter, if I'm not mistaken. That is great memory ideal. I am not going to forget that because I remember reading it going, fuck me, I really want one of these. Um, so my question I really have to ask, and again, I don't want to go into detail about it because it's private. It's something you guys share with me privately and I enjoy the fact that I have access to knowledge like that. Hmm. My question is, how did you come up with something like a showcase letter? Because that is a very unique mechanism in your business, but it, I've not seen it anywhere else. It's a good question. I was speaking to a lady the other day about this because um, she was opening up new and asking, how do you almost hide the fact you're new? Or, and when Sam and I sat down, we said, look, let's, we are new. Let's embrace it. You know, people want to help, generally speaking. Um, so the idea of the letter was to say, this is our background. This is where we're going. This is, this is what we want to create. Can you please help us? You know, in exchange for helping us, we'll do X. Um, and then we will use your marketing to, you know, get other leads. But that was the idea behind it. So we were to being totally as honest as possible. Um, I said, well, agents don't have the best name. They really um, don't. Like you have no. like agencies, salespeople, everyone has like the worst black eye ever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I can understand it. Um, I think we are underrated as, as an industry, personally, but there are people out there that don't do what they should do. And that's where it comes from. Um, but yeah, the showcase letter is basically asking someone that's already on the market to come with us a new agency so we can showcase their home to other homes as marketing to generate leads. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting way of looking at it. It's something I'm yeah, thinking like, about, like how would I do this with my own business? Yeah, it, well, it's a way of getting into a new market. So, um, you know, if you're working with people where, let's say turnover of a million, you want to get into businesses that are turnover 20 million, 100 million, well, that's how you go about it. So you'd say, look, I'll do this for, you could do one for nothing, for example, um, or for percentage of uh, future turnover, future, you know, commission from the letter um, and write one for them. And then you can use that and say, look what I did for, for this person. Or I've been working for and use it as, as a name drop. That's yeah. how it can potentially work. So essentially you're using a licensing model more than anything else as a copywriter to actually run it. And that's quite interesting because when we had Bob Selling on the show, he actually did say that um, if you've written one letter for one person in one industry, you can take that exact same letter, run it to another person and be like, hey, this person paid me 10 grand for this letter. You can get the same, and this is the results we got, but you can get the same thing and I'll modify it for five. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And it's because um, we've got a company called Firewave, which we spoke about before. And um, we produce a different sales letter every month um, for our clients. And then the idea next year, we're going to go into lettings. And then the year after that, you know, there's potentially accountancy, uh, tradesmen, you know, the, 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 any industry really. And the letters can all be fairly similar in terms of structure. So yeah. that's where that, that'll come in um, for us. But it, 
as you know, doubt response works in practically any industry. It's just not yeah. used. Yeah, it's so underrated as a, as a, as a mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there is no better way to directly get to who you want to talk to, apart from going and sitting face to face. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's funny, though, because that's the reason I get paid a lot of money. And I always tell people, like, the reason I get paid a lot is simply because um, the end result is my job is to take the least form of persuasion, which is the written word, and turn it into the most impactful so every letter on that page brings a result. And, you know, people get mad at me because I had, a, I had a client once tell me that, like, they couldn't believe I sent them a, it was only, like, 60 words. Like, they, they paid me, like, about five or six grand, and I basically sent them 60 words of copy. And they were like, is that it? I was like, yeah. They were like, why? I was like, because it's not going on a postcard. I'm like, no, it's not. I was like, send it on a postcard. Sent it on a postcard after, after them blinding at me for hours. Finally did it, got it out there. We got more response than they could actually ever imagine. We actually turned over, over the course of the year, I think it was like 430,000 pounds um, in sales for them in, in that year because of this one postcard. Hmm. Um, and all it really came down to was just understanding what to say, which is yeah. a big thing. And again, the thing I'm infamously known for is I don't actually license out my stuff after I've used it. I should do more of it and I probably will moving forward uh, over the year. Well, something like something I did want to ask you specifically about was um, how the industry is changing, like the property industry, because you have so many other companies out there. Of course, we had Rob Moore on the show as well. Mm. Um, but I'm curious, how does the property industry change moving forward? Uh, good question. It's going to get regulated, definitely. How it's not regulated already, I have no idea. I was going to say, it feels like it, how is it not already? <laughs> I. I you you could set up an agency tomorrow morning and start selling houses. Wow. Really? It is, it is crazy. Um, it, in the next, I think uh, Brexit slowed it down. Um, but the next five years, there will definitely be some kind of test that you've got to take. Um, but there's agents that, you know, that have been working 30, 40 years, that are now going to have to take a test. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely going to be regulated. It's going to go two ways. It's going to go self-employed under a big umbrella brand. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to go expensive and personal experience. I, I avoid the word service on, on purpose just because it's such a ridiculous word in the industry. Um, really? How so? If you can find me a website, apart from ours, that doesn't say they offer good service, Ooh, okay. So it's basically like a thing that everyone kind of like goes in. It's the same as like the whole thing with the digital marketing space. I'm a funnel builder. We built funnels. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. If I say to someone, watch our USP, an agent, they'll say, we offer great service. Oh my God, that's not USP. That's, that's, that, that's, what, the, that's what the other agents have said. You cannot sell a service. You, you say, why, why do you charge more? We offer great service. What? Uh, it drives me crazy. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm curious about this because there's people listening on this that aren't in, of course, that industry, but you just sure. hit a really powerful point and I want you to expand on it. And that is, how do you find your USP? Because a lot of people don't know how. In fact, it took me a very long time to find mine. Hmm. So the way we do it is, um, again, coming back to the industry doesn't have a good name. Words don't really do anything. You know, I, I can say, I can tell you that we're the best. We do, we do this, we do that. We do, but having something tangible 
something that someone can hold um, has a lot more power. So we we create these. Um, I would show you it, but the camera wouldn't work on a podcast. Um, a a unique brochure for every home, um, which doesn't sound much, but when someone has spent twenty years in a home and all of a sudden they get this twenty-page um, beautifully printed brochure, which we explain exactly how it works before the sale, during the sale, after the sale. It's it smashes good service out of the water. Yeah, because you're uh, not saying the same thing everyone else is. No, and, and it's not a pitch. Yeah, you know, I'm saying, yeah, the, the, it will show you know three or four. This is what we produce. This, these are the reasons why. Um, USP. We only take on unique homes. We, our strongest thing we've ever done is say no to clients. Hmm. Fair enough. Why is that? Two reasons. It, it positions us. Hmm. And um, it. Have you read the book Oversubscribed by Daniel Priestley? I have not read that book yet. You know, it's actually on my list. So you have, so just give me like a bit of a summary of it. Uh, I can do it in one sentence. 99% of people want a Porsche, but 99% of people can't afford one. Yeah. That's the idea. So as you said before, if you make yourself the hardest person in the room to do business with, people want to do not, sorry, not hardest person to business with, hardest person to get in contact with, People want to get in contact with you. It's the same with us. We have people ringing us, begging us to take their home on. That's that, incredible. That doesn't happen. You know, um, it can get a bit awkward sometimes. When you know, I went to someone's house the other week and she thought it was, as you do, she thought it was the most amazing house in the world. Um, it was lovely, but it wasn't unique. And therefore, we can't drop our brand, what we've built, for, just for someone's house. So... She begged us and uh, I gave her every, all the advice I possibly could for free and helped her the best as I could because um, that's what I feel I should be doing, but we couldn't take it on. Of course you couldn't. You don't want to basically jeopardize what you've built over so much time because of one person. That's just not going to be good. No. No. You wouldn't find uh, Louboutin shoes for a tenner, would you? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you could do at like a, at a flea market if you're lucky, but yeah, spelt wrong. It's just so, but no, I've actually like, I found some real steals at like certain places. I'm not going to lie. Like a friend of mine found a Chanel bag, like a thousand pound bag, for like 20 pounds at a charity shop because they didn't re- they thought it was a fake, but it turns out it was real. <laughs> I was like, damn, but it, it happens. See, I have a problem with, um, Ralph Lauren now and because they went into TK Maxx really it's funny how people's perception of a brand can change that that easily based on your association I mean it's something we said earlier with who you're associated by changes a lot of your perception because there is a mutual friend of ours friend is used very 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 loosely at this point um who we both know but we're like right if you're associated with that person you tell me you're associated with that person it's going to slightly color my opinion of you (laughs) yeah and that happens so like who you associate with is a huge part i mean that that comes down to business in general and life as who you are like who you hang out with is some total of your of your influence Mm. absolutely just um there's a lady who lives near here who's ultra successful um owns an abattoir and she said, oh, she said she produced the best meat in the country and uh, said, who, who for? She said, Burger King. 
And she might well produce the best meat in the country, but just by associating herself with Burger King brings it down. You know, it, she could she could have said the most expensive restaurant in the country, and all of a sudden I'd think it was amazing. Yeah, but then again, yeah. that that being said, however, from a business perspective, that wouldn't actually change my perception of the negative because I'm like Burger King sells a lot of burgers. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the quality of meat. Ah, uh, yeah, because I've never had a Burger King burger, so I wouldn't know. No, neither have I. But yeah, I don't really plan to anytime soon. Though, in that being said, however. Um, because right now I'm going through the carnivore diet. By the time the show comes out, I would have done my 90 days. Um, but going through the con- hmm? We're nothing left of you. Oh, God, no. You'd be surprised. Like, I'd be cutting back. Like, because believe it or not, and I tell people this and no one believes me, this is me at my heaviest. This is essentially fat adult, by the way. The person <laughs> you met is me at my fattest. <laughs> so I tell people this and they look at me like, you're fat. I'm like, in my books, yes. But not like my perception of my reality. Just my body type can't handle this weight because it's not, it, it's used to, uh, so I did, I did a lot of work on epigenetics and like my, my history of what makes my body work. Um, specifically what's made my body work is that I can, uh, not only can I train for longer because I have like uh, an endurance athlete's body frame uh, and genetic code, what I actually have more of than anything else is that my body is made to cover long, like again, endurance, but it's made to cover longer distances and go for, just do things in a different way. So my mm-hmm. upper body doesn't carry a lot of mass, but my limbs do like my limb. I'm mostly limbs. Yeah. So it basically makes me, it as from a fighting perspective, it makes me a very good fighter because it means I've got height reach and I'm very hard to hit. So there's not a lot in the body to hit. Um, but with the carnivore diet, right by the time this finishes, uh, crap, where was I going with this? What was the thing we were discussing right before we went out on this trail? My brain just completely lost it. Bird King. Oh, that was it. So my yeah. first meal after carnivore is going to be a homemade burger. Like, I've got all the beef that I want. Basically, I've got wagyu beef, chuck beef, and uh, ribeye, and I'm going to be putting that all together into a singular three-beef burger. It's going to be fucking delicious. I'm My mouth make... is watering. Mate, thing is, I've got everything down. Like, I'm making four separate burgers with these, including one where I basically put the cheese inside the burger and then fry it and then cook mozzarella. it. Mozzarella. Mozzarella in the middle. Let it melt out so as you take a bite and it just goes out. Yeah, that's basically what I'm looking forward to, like 90 days time. It's worth the 90 days, isn't it? It is. Like, my health will be back on track. My mood will be better. I'll feel absolutely brilliant. And to be fair, I eat mostly a carnivore diet anyway. Like, I always have. I, I genuinely think in business, the most underrated thing is fitness. Yeah. Like, so few business owners are actually in health. It's really annoying. It's, it's unbelievable. In, uh, since November, I have, well, I've now missed, I've missed five days from running since the 1st November. Oh, yeah. That's because you've been ill. Like, and, and yeah, with two of them were, were yes with the last two days, um, but I just now just run every day, and we, sometimes it's a mile and a half. If I'm but really still tired. running, but it's still but running. It's just the fact of getting your gear on and going out. It, if you have a shitty day, it makes such a difference to your mental health and, and to your energy as well. Oh, without a doubt, I've not like the thing is because my injuries, I've not been able to do jujitsu. Like I from. October, so let's just say October 15th, just like 15 days after my birthday, uh, all the way until um, now, which is basically we're recording this in March. Um, 
in that time period, I had only trained about two weeks worth of jiu-jitsu in that time. And usually I used to go every single day. Mm-hmm. And the reason I stopped was because like everything kind of, all the shit hit the fan, then my health went down to the toilet and then my body started to break on me. It was like in this one six month period, everything was like, all right, let's focus all this shit down at once. Mm. A lot of people would quit on that. But for me, the whole thing I saw in that situation was like, I can expand that out and play with it. But I'm curious about one thing. Why running for you? Like, what is, like, I know you do football as well, but like, why specifically running? Because a lot of people hate running. Yeah. Um, well, I play football twice a week. Um, mm-hmm. But why running? Because of how accessible it is, really. That, that, that's the answer. Um, I... I've got two young children after being at work all day, um, put into bed. I have not got time to go and do something for an hour and a half. I've got half an hour, um, maximum. So that's the reason really. My dad's an extremely keen runner. Um, he does 50 mile a week. He's nearly 60. Wow. Uh, So it's kind of always been ingrained in me to run. And what happens is everybody hates, says they hate running. Once you get through the first two, three months and you actually become half decent and you could do five miles in 40 minutes and it doesn't really hurt, that's actually enjoyable. You know what? You say that to me, my brain immediately goes, I remember my legs, it hurts now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's enjoyable. The feeling of of accomplishment is massively outweighs the feeling of your your calf muscles on that that last quarter of a mile. I promise you. I can imagine. <laughs> I can just imagine. It's just one of those things that I look at and go, "Oh my god, my body would be killing me after all of this." But I say that, then I go do jujitsu for ninety minutes, which is yeah, which should probably hurt more. It does. I mean, the amount of times I walked out of the gym, I've got bruises on like my inner part of my arm, and I'm like, "What the hell happened here?" Yeah, you can't you know, get hurt running. You say that. I'll probably blow out my knee. <laughs> it's always crazy. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about like. There's a strategy I want to like pick your mind on more than anything because I think you're one of the few people I know that really kind of gets this, and that is understanding your business budgets because I know so many entrepreneurs that basically can make a lot of money, but they don't know how to keep a lot of money into their business. What is it that you, do, that you guys do differently that actually allows you to keep a good, healthy cash flow in, in the company? So we have learned from mistakes. We, we fell into the trap that everybody falls into in the first couple of years, first 18 months where you bring 10,000 pounds in, you think you're loaded, you look at the bank and you've got a tenner left. Yeah. And then uh, whenever something comes in, it goes straight out. And and you only look at what's coming in and think you've, you've almost made it. Um, so you, you said it, the, the strongest thing you can possibly do is do cash flow. But be as honest with yourself as possible. So in our industry, a third of homes fall through. So if we sell a home, are we being honest with ourselves by putting a hundred percent of the fee into the cash flow forecast because the chance of it falling through is a third. So what we quickly um, move to is being brutally honest with ourselves and saying, look, if we charge 1.5%, which we do um, for the cash flow forecast purposes, it's 1%. 
So that is worst case scenario. You know, if we, if we reduce our fees by a third in the cash flow forecast, that means that on average, it's going to be about right, which allows us to plan a lot, a lot better. And it's usually slightly higher than what actually the forecast says, which is obviously a bonus. Um, allows us to have confidence in what we spend on marketing, what we spend on staff, what we spend on, um, you know, any, any events we run, it allows us to, to spend and know that we'll be okay. So that's the strongest thing you do. Be as honest with yourself as, as possible. It's not an ego sheet. You know, it's not something to look at and say, Oh, in two months time, which we used to do. In two months' time, we're going to be up of £100,000 in the bank. Aren't we amazing? And actually, in two months' time, you've got 20 grand in the bank and you've got a 30 grand bill. You know, it, it's, um, so it's just been about, it's all about being brutal with yourself and uh, understanding that it, it's for your own business's own good for it to be worst case scenario. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So I'm just looking at this through my own brain and going, I have a lot to actually look into with this. But like specifically, okay. So like for everyone listening at home, that's like not aware of this. Whenever someone drops like a gem like this, my brain has to take a moment to fully process it to be like, how the hell do I do this in my own business? Specifically, why don't I do this in my business? So my, I guess the question I'd ask you, Phil, uh, as my friend on this, because I know there are a lot of people that work in a lot of different industries that are like service-based, like um, you know, copywriters, videographers, stuff like that. Would you recommend they actually up their prices in order to actually take care of the difference between the disparity of their income? If they're good, if they're good at what they do. So for instance, if they're charging a thousand pounds a month or a thousand pounds a project, um, which is like 1500 us dollars, do they actually go ahead and think, okay, all my costs and services, once they put it all online and actually look at everything, they actually realize they're only making $500 for every $1,500 sale they make. So they're making a third of whatever they make. Uh, that goes to them because the other thousand goes out for everything else, contingencies, blah, 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 taxes. Would it not be better if they actually up their prices so they can actually have a bigger portion they can keep themselves and the rest basically goes towards that? If they're good at what they do. Yeah, I think that's a totally different uh, challenge. I would always say that if you genuinely believe you're the best at what you do, then you should charge the most and not be embarrassed by it. Um, but just coming back to the cash flow on that same, um, in that situation, you need to look at the stats to say, for a copywriter, let's say um, you should have the stats on how many people don't follow through and get to completion of the letter or pay full in completion. Um, I'd hope everyone does, but let's say they don't. You need to work out what percentage of those people don't get through to that point and pay in full. And then use that in the cash flow to say, look, only 80% pay full. So when we put in the cash flow, we're not going to put the full amount in. We're going to put 80% in. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Again, like I said, I've got more homework to do after this call than I realized. Damn you, Phil. That's a thing that happens. But okay, let's talk about something that's a little bit more fun, that kind of like diverts out of this, because there was a question that you had me on your show, so I want to ask you this on my show. In terms of effectiveness of what you're seeing in the marketplace, do you think email and what we're doing digitally is still as effective as it used to be? Or do you find that direct response mailing shit out to people is far more effective? 
Good question. So in terms of direct lead generation, in my opinion, there's nothing stronger than direct response. Uh, in terms of building rapport and, and I hate this term phrase, but brand awareness. Yeah, it's, it. it's a fucking annoying word, but we, we yeah. understand. Um, I think that email will come back in the next 10 years because everyone's going away from it. Um, no, so, I find people say that email is dead. I don't find email is dead. No, well, well it, I enjoy it when people say email is dead. Stop sending emails then because I'll send them. Um, Give so, me more market share. Yeah. So literally last month, last week, um, I wrote a hundred maximum 30 word emails that are just, uh, we call them daily flash tips that go out to uh, our list, which is about three and a half thousand uh, independent agents around the country. And every single day they get an email from us. Um, the first email we sent, we had a video on there explaining exactly why we're doing it and what we're doing. Um, I think they need to be used for different things. Uh, that response in our industry, you can target people you don't have the details for. Um, an email, I, I can't really email someone ask for the business because I, I genu generally don't have their email address. Yeah. Well, if you do um, have an email address, it's an uphill battle from the get go. It is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, people now feel uncomfortable replying to they almost feel like an email is, is a bit invasive. I think when it's a cold audience um, and you're asking for your call to action is to ask for contact. I think people find it invasive. Whereas on a doubt response letter, I don't seem to get that, that feeling. I can, I seem to be able to control a doubt response letter a lot easier than I can uh, email. You can, because you can actually measure the results. Now, something you mentioned there, which is on lead gen specifically, because this is something a lot of people, including myself, have a problem with. Copywriters in particular, uh, like you know the old the old stories, like the cobbler's shoes. So the cobbler, uh, the cobbler's kids have the worst shoes in school. Mm. Yeah, same thing with a lot of people I know in service-based businesses. We're shit at doing it for ourselves. <laughs> so my question for you would be, say, like again, keeping on the topic of copywriting because that is my area. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people listen, that is their area as well. It's a very universal thing to play with. If you were to do a lead gen piece, what would you go with? Would you actually send them a book? Would you invite them onto a phone call? Or would you just basically pitch your business directly or get on get on a call with you? How would you personally approach that? For cold? Yeah, like it's a cold audience. You basically decided uh, to send them an, a letter directly to their, to their business or to their home. Yeah, good question. So... Um, first of all, I, I think it's difficult for, for people to write their own sales copy or because we are all having great assumptions and, yep. and it's almost impossible to get out of. Yep. So that's, I think that's our biggest challenge there. Um, the second question is, I, I try and think of it like a scale. So you've got cold to hot and how do you push people along the scale and what... 90% of people do is they go hard in at them when they're cold and they push them further down if it is possible. Um, it's very rare you're going to get a response to actually pick up the phone and talk to you at a cold. Um, okay. Certainly in our industry, you know, it, it's almost impossible. So how do you get them to take an action, any action that will move them up the ladder as such? So 
uh, one thing I'm working on at the moment is uh, it's an audio book. It's not going to be written, just an audio book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something Paul Mort has recently done and he suggested it to me. Um, so I'm, I'm going to release uh, an audio book to agents. That's then pushes them further along. From there, the, the CTA could be, uh, you know, a, a, a free letter. Um, you know, and once they've, once they've sent a letter and got a response, I'm then in a position to probably ask for a call. That makes sense. But it, it's it planning. I think it's really important to plan um, a journey you want them to take and try and make the steps and the CTAs as small as possible throughout each one before trying to, it, it's like going on a date and asking them to marry, first date and asking them to marry you. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I could use a different... Well, unless you're my dad, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> or my mother-in-law. Oh, really? Yeah, don't get them on a date. <laughs> That'd be quite funny. But yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, so I have a curiosity that comes out of this, cause like how I would run that if I was doing an audio book, because that's what I'm doing actually right now, is I'm actually uh, creating an audio version of my book first and then have it transcribed into a regular book. Mm. Um, I do better at speech than I do sitting down typing like a massive book, especially with my own. Yeah. Um, and just to put a pin in this and come back to it in a second, something you said just prior really, really like hit me. And that is you shouldn't write your own copy, even if you're a world-class copywriter. The reason is because again, you are in your own head. And this is the reason I have junior writers. They write the first draft and then I basically complete it out. I do the edits for that kind of thing. And that's how it works. Mm. Um, or I have someone legendary, like a very good friend of mine, like John Benson, help me look through my sales list and go edit all of these and then go edit all of them. But yeah. not everyone has access to that. So if you're writing your own copy, uh, get someone else to do it for you. If you're writing, if you are a copywriter and you need someone else to do it for you, reach out to a couple of copywriting friends. They'll be more than happy to do that exchange because they probably need that same service themselves. Yeah, now, especially, back, especially if it's B2C. Yeah. It's B2C, then get someone that has no idea about your business to read it and see if they understand it. Yeah. If you yeah. have to write your own. Yeah. Oh my God. That was one of the biggest ones. Gary Halbert used to go down to a bar and just read his letter out out loud uh, and see what the response would be. If anyone said, Oh my God, that's really good. He was like, it's shit. If yeah. it was like, I can't like someone walks up to him and goes, Hey, I really want to buy this thing. or I really want to know more about it. Then it was a winner. That's basically how he tested in real life. Like people hearing him say it out loud. Now um, the other thing that I was going to say, kind of unlinching that pin would be the way that I would run my promotion for the kind of thing that you just talked about with the audiobook. It is true. You shouldn't actually try and get the clothes right away, but you can, if you want to, depending if they're right. So you send out the audiobook, which is a great way of value build. Um, hey, give me your name and email address. I'll send you my free audiobook. Great. Done. Or you can just say, go here and get my free audiobook. And then on the audiobook, you tell them to opt in something. If they want some more goodies, like if you want bonuses on this page, uh, do it that way. Now, if you send out a letter, invite them onto either a free call or a webinar if you want. Basically, that's another way, or to watch a video. This is something that I found a lot of people don't do anymore is they've stopped doing the big value build free giveaway. Like everyone's free giveaway is like minimal value. Mm-hmm. Like if you do like a bit, like I remember a friend of mine did this and something we're doing as well, is we were giving away a 45 minute video training that actually was from one of his courses for free. Mm-hmm. And people wouldn't believe that it was for free. There was no sell in the end, by the way. There was like nothing to buy. It was literally watch this video, apply it, make money. Yeah. 
and that was his big that was his big headline it was like watch my video in three steps you'll understand how you will never have to be broke again uh why you can make money no matter where you are and why today's economy no matter how bad it seems is the best economy you could be in watch this video and the video literally just starts off with him going hey guys here's something really simple for you uh this is from my course my copywriter basically told me to put it out there because he thought it'd be a really good idea um so here's what we're going to do instead uh if you watch this video watch it all the way through the end there is literally no pitch for you whatsoever all i want you to do is go out there use the stuff that i tell you apply it make a lot of money and live a good life the reason I'm doing this is because I'm sick and tired of everyone else charging two grand for a course that doesn't teach anything. This thing's going to give you everything you need to do. It's 45 minutes long. I wish it was shorter, but we have a lot to cover that's going to cover everything in the, in the list below. And the list below was just like email building, sequencing, copy, blah, blah. And it was like 45 minutes of just like a basic outline. We mailed that out to his entire list. We mailed that out to multiple people. The dude literally told me this. Uh, this is about four years ago, a couple of weeks after we sent this out, he actually, I remember genuinely hearing back about this and I was so gutted that I didn't do it for myself. Um, but he generated $180,000 in new business in, inside the first two weeks because he'd sent this value piece and he asked everyone why they wanted it. And by the way, he's not cheap. He was charging like 20 grand a head just to work with him. And he just said they didn't want to work with everyone. He was like, I'll give it to you for free, but you know that if you want to work with me, you have to have money. Again, it goes back to that whole Porsche mentality. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah. uh, people don't do it because they're fearful. They think that, they think that, you know, I, I could tell anyone what I know, any agent, doesn't mean they'll do it. None of them will do it. Yeah. They, they, so it's clever that he releases a video and gets people listening to him and taking action on what he's saying. And therefore he's now positioning himself up here as the expert. So people, people know him and trust him and what he says. So he, from there he can sell to them. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he's almost got permission to sell to them. Oh, without a doubt. It's unlimited positioning and permission to actually do so. I mean, I did, I, I did the, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but I did a Facebook live that basically broke down how I come up with story pieces. Um, oh, that's not, in bed. Yes, you were ill. You you were dying. <laughs> but it, it's crazy because like most of my videos rarely get like more than a hundred views at a time because I don't know what reason. This one just like took off. It's starting to get more and more views every single day, which is excellent. But I also came up with probably one of the best subject lines, which if you're on my mailing list, you would have seen, which is Star Wars but with wands. Because it just talks about the hero's journey, which, by the way, Harry Potter is Star Wars, but with wands. If you if you haven't made the comparison yet, it, it really is. It's so similar. But we're coming up to that point where I really want to ask you a couple of other questions I have in mind. And this one is going to – it catches a lot of people off guard, but I hope it doesn't catch you off guard too much. And that is – and that is quite simply down uh, to this question, which is if you were to – like, do you like – you like movies, right? Mm. Okay, so we're going to stick to books. Because <laughs> usually I go fiction, fictional movies. But let's you can just try. Put, oh, you can put a couple of movies in there if you want. All right, so if you had to recommend five books for anyone to read, what five would they be? They're nonfiction. And then you have to give me two other fictional books or movies, just two that you'd recommend anyone see. Okay. I am cheating by going into my Audible. Audible's the best thing ever. 
Oh. By the way, I counted how many books I have on Audible. I've only had Audible for a year, by the way, just about a year and a half. I've got over 150 books in that. I'm like, how the hell did I spend so much money? Well, yeah, I, I, I probably have thousands. Um, I'll start with Oversubscribed. It's, that is a brilliant book for mentality. When, um, when we opened three years ago, I would have, like everyone does, I always ask the question, why, why do agents have high street shops? Or why do agents um, use 299-999? And the answer is because every other bloody agent does. There's no other reason. So why, do, why does every agent charge 1%? Why does every agent take every house on? Because every other agent does. So I would have copied that. I would have done whatever every other agent did. So it, I found it very difficult to get my head around not doing that. And this book really, really helped with that. So I would, I would strongly recommend that. Um, Expert Secrets by Mr. Brunson. Mm-hmm was uh, good. It gets a bit too webinary at, at one point. Um, yeah. But overall, it's got some really good points in it. Um, How to Be Effing Awesome by Dan Meredith. Yep, great book. Do you know Dan? Personally, yeah. Uh, I have a testimonial from him as well. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice so, What's nice funny, guy. I've known him since the start of his career, like almost the start of his career. Um, but fun story about this. Remember the EE event where um, Expert Empires met where they had David Goggins? Um, I still love the fact that halfway through his talk, Dan stopped and just called me out of the crowd. Like halfway through, stopped his presentation. And I was like, oh, hey, hi, I don't just halfway through. Like, <laughs> it was completely out. I was like, what the, why? Why would you do this? Yeah, well, I... Um, I wasn't I even arranged, in the front. I was in the middle. Yeah. I arranged to uh, interview him for a few minutes for social. And he um, especially me like saying... Um, Ooh, I started to start the book then saying, um, come on, dude, I'm busy. Cause we, I was waiting in one place. He was waiting in another place. He was, <laughs> he just, it was funny the way he approached it. Um, how to be like Walt by Pat Williams. Ooh, Recommendation wow. by Dan Kennedy. How to be like Walt. How to be like Walt. Taking that as a consideration. It's a, it's a brilliant book. And last, but definitely not least, um, one of the first books I read or listened to, The Ultimate Sales Letter by yep. Mr. Dan S. Kennedy. Legend. Yeah. One of my favorite books. Yeah, uh, some of his books, I don't really, his no BS books aren't as good, I don't think. It, you're better off um, putting him into YouTube and sitting there and watching some of his talks, in my opinion. Oh, no, I agree. The Wealth Management Seminar is probably one of my favorite. Yes. You know, BS Wealth Man is so good for like wealth attraction. He's so good yeah. at that shit. But yeah. funny thing is like a lot of people don't realize Dan Kennedy was a copywriter first and foremost. And yeah. then he yeah. did everything else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. some of his YouTube videos that are from uh, 30 years ago, you know, um, when we were at school, which sounds crazy when I'm only 28. Um, well, 20 years ago, I, not 30, because neither one of us would have, like, would be. No, no, it wasn't 30 years ago. But I was just thinking, ago, like, 
I can't even what they're called, where you put a piece of paper on a machine and it shines. Oh, projectors. Yeah, like yeah, the, o- yes. yeah, the OCP projectors. Yeah, he had one of those old school uh, projectors. So it must have been at least 25 years ago. But Yeah, it was um, old school. I think there's six hours of that particular talk and it is brilliant. Definitely worth seeing. I'm not sure it's supposed to be on YouTube, um, but it is, it is definitely worth listening to. Definitely. Yeah. So those are my five. Was that five? That was five. That was a great set. And I'm actually picking up uh, How to Be Like Walt. Such a good book. But you yeah. still got to give me like two uh, nonfiction, or two fiction books or two movies that everyone should be watching. So I go two directions with films. I go comedy. Good. But I, I find it difficult. I don't find many people that funny. Um, comedy movies are hard to come by nowadays. They are. Good comedy is hard to come by. Yes. Um, or I go true story. Also hard to come by. I, I really struggle with anything in between. I see it as a waste of two hours of my life. See, that's really interesting because I, as a copywriter, I have a completely different view of movies and books like that. Because I always tell people, like, so a lot of my copywriting contemporaries did not like Game of Thrones. Like, Game of Thrones is a rich man. I'm like, fair enough. But here's the thing. There's a reason that show is one of the highest rated shows of all time. There is a reason that people actually tune in to see that shit. Yeah. Tap into the core reason why that is and it, it, bring that to your marketing. Watch your shit fly. Understand how their stories are written. Watch your shit fly. <laughs> It's like one of my favorite uh, things is, I don't know if you guys know this, and this is a quick shout out. I think it's Khan Academy, K-H-A-N Academy. Uh, I don't know if it's still available, but hopefully it still is. Pixar released their story writing course on there, like how they train their story wow. writers to write huge pieces for Pixar. Mm. And it's incredible. It's like only a five-step, seven-step uh, sequence. But it's incredible. But I look at things like that. So that's why I'm always kind of like, I like watching movies because they're entertaining, but I can also watch them and uh, pick things up for advertising later on down the line. Yeah, so that's interesting. So I like going to the movie, the cinemas to watch the adverts. Oh, same. Love the ads. They're brilliant. Mm. Um, I, I find it really interesting to see what they're doing and try and work out why they're doing it. Mm. People have been paid thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds to come up with these adverts that people talk through. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, one of my favorite ones is the trend they had was finding really good pop music that everyone loves and then slowing it down and making it more somber. Mm. I mean, yeah. I think they first did that with Assassin's Creed by hiring Lord to sing Everybody Wants to Rule the World by uh, Tears of Fears. And that version was so slow and relaxed. And it was like, it was more motivational than it was anything else. And like, mm. yeah, really, why am I really into this? But no, very similar to that. Yeah. Um, so the two films that I'd go for, which probably offer very little, is I like stupid things. So really, I like Hangover. I like Great the movie. character of Alan. Yeah. Really? You know, that, see, for me, it's Bradley Cooper's character that I love the most. Yeah. I, I, I just find stupid things funny. As you uh, should. And then I really enjoyed Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, wow. Noted. Mm. it's pretty cool I haven't actually seen that but I do know they mentioned Tony Robbins in it which is quite interesting 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, like they, I don't remember how much it was, but he paid a substantial fee to actually be mentioned. Really? Yeah, I think it was something like uh, it was a healthy six figures to be mentioned in that movie. Wow. But it was only one mention as well. Yeah. So I, I've got a question for you. John. Um, just to spin on its head for a second. So Donald Trump got into the US, got, got to be president, arguably because of the language he used. Yes. I understand that the simpler the language, the better you persuade or convert. So they say that he speaks like a, a fourth grader. Yep. Ten no, yeah, exactly. And so that's exactly what I try and do in copy with, within reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, why is it that people react better to a copy written as, as a 10 year old than using words, adult words, if you like? Okay, so the reason that actually works is quite simple. Um, and I can do like a whole show just around this. But to give you guys- just add, sorry, just add to that question. Do you consciously think about this when you're writing your copy? No, no, because I've done it for so long. I do it that way anyway. Um, I can write high-minded, but I don't want to because the reason that you want to do it this way, and Trump is a perfect example, is that he spoke to the average person. The average person doesn't read that many books a year. The average person doesn't educate themselves beyond university in most cases. And even at university, they don't, edu- they don't really educate themselves further. When they do read, like, look at everything that we're fed. You can explain that concept very simply. Yeah. The simpler the concept, the more successful the movie uh, or the show or the election or the campaign or whatever it is. So if I asked right now, why do you like the hangover? As you said, it's stupid. It's funny. If I asked <laughs> you what's the concept to it, it's like four dudes end up going to Vegas, get stupidly drunk and lose that, lose the best man, spend the rest of the movie trying to find the best man, trying to find the, um, the actual mm-hmm. husband like to be. Yeah. Like that is, that is literally just a hangover in a nutshell. That's hangover one, two and three. <laughs> yeah, pretty much just, but it's different people every single time, but like, it's still the same fucking concept. Yeah. So the reason why Trump actually won more than anything else and people don't really want to recognize or say it out loud is because the language he used um, was to speak to the masses of the illiterate, the people that basically were backwards, that were downtrodden. And when you use simple language, it actually taps into a wider universal experience because at the end Mm. of the day, remember while you're selling one person, you're also selling them on the other person. The other person is quite simply the people they have to justify their reasoning to. You have to not only give them a reason to buy, but you have to give them a reason to defend their action when they actually tell someone else, I decide to drop $30,000 on a guy named Adam Lamarcy to actually write my copy for me. Mm. The reason justification I have to give them is because Adel has his insane track record and he's going to provide the service for me. If I went ahead and got complicated, like, yeah, we're going to do all your funnels. We're going to do all your emails. We're going to do all this. We're going to do that. I was like, they would know that. But the overarching theme is that we take care of your marketing. Like we take care of your conversion process, the the machine that we build, that's what you're paying for. Yeah. So when you use simple language, it allows people to actually defend your argument better than if they went ahead and tried to defend it themselves. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's it a, is. that's a big thing. And uh, it gets it gets slated for saying that he's the best or good. You know, these are the kind of words he uses. 
and yeah, that it's it's really it's powerful it is it's one of the craziest things about mr trump that very few people want to give him credit for yeah. is his ability of simple language use and that right there um, really makes a huge difference in the financial and physical gains of what he does. It's, it's brilliant. And everyone can tap into this. If you want to know how to do this, check out the uh, Hemingway app, uh, yeah. HemingwayApp.com. Uh, that, that, I think that's a, one of the easiest places that you guys can check whether or not your copy is written to um, fourth <laughs> to sixth grader level. By the way, you don't want to go above like 10th grader. You always want to between four and six is your happy spot. You don't want to go below four because then you just sound stupid. <laughs> um, yeah so it's it is a great site it, it is indeed so one of my favorite questions to ask on the show right before we wrap is asking you specifically when life has got you like knocked down it's beating you down a little bit like things are just not going right like everything's going backwards like off the rails terrible how do you compose yourself and how do you bring yourself back from the brink great question two ways First way is if you're having a shite day, lock yourself in a room and do all the uncomfortable things that you've been putting off for last month. See, I thought you were going to say just jerk off for six hours, but still, that's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. That's, that's, number number <laughs> that's number two. The uncomfortable thing. So, uh, for example, the other day I was, um, I'd lost two instructions. I, I, we lose. We converted 90%, losing two in a day isn't heard of for us. Um, uh, what else happened? It was, I was having a shite day. No one would speak to me. Um, rang someone and, and he said, I'm in hospital, go away. You know, it was that kind of day. So came, sat in the back room, got a list of people, of targets that I've been avoiding speaking to for the last week, and just rung them all. You know, it can't really get any worse, can it? And, and just embrace the fact that it, it can't get worse. Um, and the only way from there is up. You know, you get a good response to someone, you feel better. The second way, go on holiday with your family. Yeah. I felt really crappy in, uh, when I came back after Christmas. I don't know why. Um, it was just a mood swing. Everyone had that, to be fair. Yeah, but, but I, I never, like, I just felt sad, and I, but I couldn't, say, I couldn't tell you why. And then um, I felt like I hadn't had a break over Christmas. Um, and then we went to the Caribbean for two weeks. And since then, I've, I've felt great. I, I love the fact that we still spoke while you were in the Caribbean. That, that, was, that was my favorite part, was <laughs> the fact that I'm like, I feel like I'm there as well. Oh, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And so those are the two things I'd go to. That's and great. regular exercise. Yeah. That that I'm very, very happy to hear because regular exercise is a big thing. Yeah, and you diet as well. Yeah. Um that's the reason I went carnival. Yeah. Was like my mood was really, really low and it was like really, really bad. They thought I had uh, Cushing's disease. Turns out I just had low thyroid. Right. Yeah. So like John Benson basically put me aside and was like, uh yeah, no, we'll, we'll just go do this. You'll be fine. Yeah. It's uh, your diet controls your energy, and therefore how much work you get through. It controls your sleep. It also controls your how mood. You are. Go on, sorry. It controls your mood. I didn't know this until oh, earlier yeah. this year, but like ninety-five percent of your serotonin actually lives in your gut, not in your head. 
So like, if you think about serotonin releases, it's not going to be, you know, that that's in your body. Mm. Yeah. Crazy. It is. And I am one for eating everything inside. (laughs) I can imagine. So (laughs) I can imagine you would absolutely, you would like, you're the type of friend. I say this with love. I believe if you ever came to my house, I would have a field day of feeding you because you'd love everything. But secondly, I would be broke as shit when you left because you would have eaten everything. Without a doubt. It's the reason why I have to run every day. Otherwise, I'd be hard. <laughs> Pretty much, right? But yeah. All right. So as far as it goes for everyone that wants to connect with you, where's the best place people can find you? Uh, Instagram, I would say. Let's go mm-hmm. 21st century. Um, it's Phil Jones FW. What is the FW for? I was always curious. Firewave. Oh, fair enough. That makes sense. Unfortunately, when you've got a name like Phil Jones, you have to chuck something in at the end. Whereas uh, Dylan Marcy, you probably... Sorted for the rest of my life. I'm the only one exactly. on the planet. Yeah. Legitimately, I've checked. I'm the only one with my name on Earth. Really? Legally, yeah. Like My legal name, Adela Marcy, I'm the only one that walks this Earth. Because my surname is such a rare surname. There's only like everyone that has my surname will be related. Yeah, you've got a few copycats, haven't you? But other than, no one legal. Yeah, I, I say that because I looked on Facebook and there was one other guy with Adam Marshall. I was like, you haven't posted and your uh, <laughs> picture is fake, so fuck you. It wasn't you, was it? It wasn't me. No, right. That's good. I'm actually yeah. starting a secondary Facebook account, though, under my same name, but still. Secondary account. I'll tell you a really quick, funny story. So um, when I opened the business, obviously my name, Phil Jones, got out there. And Christmas Day, two years ago, I got this letter from China. And I was like, my first piece of fan mail. Nice. So I opened it. And um, it was, hi, Phil Jones. I I love you so much, all of this. Next time I'm in Manchester, please can I come watch you play football? Wow. So that killed me, killed my dreams. uh, It was the Manchester United centre-back who was supposed to send it to, not me. Oh my God, that is so funny. Yeah, I was disappointed. uh, I thought about sending back some... He he sent some pictures of of the Phil Jones players from Man United and asked for signatures to send it back, but I haven't done it yet. (laughs) It's quite funny. Mm -hmm. All right, dude, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Weird phone calls halfway through podcasts, the weirdness that we go through of all the fun stuff that we have that we happen to have. Um, guys, go check out Phil. He's he's so much fun to follow on Instagram, but he's one of the most approachable people you can find. Even if you're not in the estate agent game or the real estate game, reach out to him. He's just a good dude to get to know. But as always, I will speak to you really, really soon. He's currently taking an Instagram video of this right now to post on his stories going, I just did this with Adol. I can guarantee you I'm going to receive a notification of this in about five minutes. Try and take a picture of that would be obvious. Yeah, right. I would just take an obvious photo. I'm good with it. <laughs> like, I'm good with actually having a photo of the two of us together. I'm happy with this. Right, done. Awesome. All right, guys. Speak to you real soon. And as always, enjoy your weekend. Please rate, subscribe, and share the show if you enjoyed and got value out of it. And if you have any recommendations or if you want to reach out to me personally, hit me up. I'm a very easy person to get in touch with. Yeah, and speak soon. Bye.